As we get farther into the 70s, we start to enter a period where Arthur Lee's drug habits were really starting to get out of control. And needless to say, this didn't do anything to help his general tendency towards self-sabotage. He'd been a hash smoker for a long time, and by all reports, a good amount of LSD was also being consumed. But the really big problem was the cocaine, which he was using needles to shoot at the time, and in scary quantities. By all reports, a lot of the other band members, as well as a lot of Arthur's social circle, were also doing a good deal of drugs. It was just part of the crowd he was hanging with. But with the increasing cocaine dependence, Arthur was getting really paranoid and erratic. Acquaintances from the time describe him as quote-unquote spooky. All of this was making Arthur increasingly unpredictable. Following the end of his Blue Thumb contract, Arthur signed a new contract with Columbia Records, and in May 1971, along with Frank Fayed and a few others, he started going into the studio to record a new album. Until, that is, the record company pulled the plug, because by all accounts, the sessions were just an absolute mess. The promised album never materialized, though some of the demos were released in 2009 as part of the Love Lost compilation. In 1972, Arthur got another shot at the studio, this time with A&M Records. The result would be Arthur's first solo album, Vindicator. The recording process was incredibly fast, some might even say rushed. Several of the musicians who backed Arthur on that, on that record recall thinking that they were just recording demos that would be cleaned up and re-recorded later. But the demos became the album. Personally, I think this album is a bit of a mixed bag, reflecting the somewhat ramshackle conditions of its composition. But I do know some fans who champion it, so if you're an Arthur Lee completist, it's worth checking out. It also features some spectacularly bonkers song titles, such as Hamburger Breath Stinkfinger, and Old Morgue Mouth. Both of those, by the way, reflect Arthur's somewhat, shall we say, militant vegetarianism at the time. It wasn't until 1973 that Arthur Lee returned to the studio to record an album under the name Love, this time with a new all-black lineup for Love, with Melvin Whittington on lead guitar, Robert Roselle on bass, and Joe Blocker, who had actually grown up in the same neighborhood as Arthur, on drums. Lee has been quoted as saying to Blocker, I want an all-black band. I want some cats that can play funky and rock. This newer incarnation of the band, along with producer Paul Rothschild, recorded what was supposed to become Black Beauty throughout mid-1973. But in another stroke of bad luck, Buffalo Records, the small independent label that Lee had signed with, went bankrupt before the record could be released. As a result, Black Beauty didn't see the light of day until several decades later, when High Moon Records remastered the original acetates, um, since the master tapes had been lost, and gave the album a proper release in 2012. And side note, if you can get your hands on the album part art for this release, I just adore the photo of Lee that graces the cover of the High Moon record. Bald head, white shoes, and a definite badass attitude. I just love it. Now, for the music itself. It's not a perfect album. I could do without whatever weird pseudo-reggae thing is going on on Beep Beep, for example. But I definitely prefer this record to Vindicator, Arthur's solo album from the year before. Starting with the opener, Young and Able, the tracks on Black Beauty just have a little extra funkiness and purposefulness to them that elevates them. 
My favorite is probably Can't Find It, which is another soulful vocal performance from Lee, with some nicely double-edged lyrics. For example, when Arthur sings, Oh, you know that I'll be faithful, about as faithful as you are to me. You have to wonder whether it's a genuine pledge of fidelity or a passive-aggressive dig. In contrast to the Vindicator sessions, Arthur and the band had had a good amount of time to play together and had done some gigging before stepping into the recording studio. And I think this comes out in the greater cohesiveness that you hear on this album. Real to Real was recorded for RSO Records in 1974, and it features the same core band that played on Black Booty the year before, with some additional studio musicians filling out the keyboards, horns, and backing vocals. In spite of Lee's uninspiring commercial record, Skip Taylor persuaded RSO to give him the largest advance of his career for the album. And indeed, it would be the last major label recording contract that Lee would receive. Around this time, Taylor also arranged one of the biggest touring opportunities that Love had ever received, including opening for Lou Reed and Eric Clapton. But by all accounts, Lee was in pretty poor shape at these live dates, and a lot of people who were close to him at the time see it as yet another lost opportunity. With Real to Real, Love turns away from the Hendrix-esque hard rock of the previous several releases and tries out a more funk and soul-influenced sound. The main exception is the very Hendrix-y busted feet, which first appeared on Lee's solo record, Vindicator. This is an album that, to be honest, I wasn't that impressed with when I first heard it, but I have to say, over time, it's really grown on me. After the long stretch of heavy blues rock over the previous several albums, I just like hearing Lee experiment with some different types of sounds. No, it doesn't sound like a love album, whatever the hell that means, but it's fun, and it's funky, and the whole band, Arthur included, just sound like they're having a ball. And Arthur's vocals are once again great, this time delivered in a more fully rhythm and blues style than we've heard him use on previous records. The album closes with an acoustic version of Everybody's Gotta Live, which is easily my favorite track by this incarnation of the band. The song had previously appeared in a more muscular arrangement on Vindicator, but I personally prefer the stripped-down version here. There's something really poignant about the way that Lee sings those simple lines of the refrain, everybody's gotta live and everybody's gonna die. And to me, it's the perfect closer for the last proper love album. As you probably already know, Arthur Lee went through some pretty rough times after this. He continued to struggle with substance abuse, and he had a variety of brushes with the law. In 1996, Lee was convicted of negligent discharge of a firearm. Having previously served two years for arson on top of a variety of assorted drug and assault charges over the years, he was sentenced to 12 years in prison under California's Three Strikes Law. He was released from prison in 2001, five years into his sentence, after a federal appeals court found that the prosecutor in Lee's original trial had been guilty of misconduct. Before the prison sentence, Lee had started touring with members of the band Baby Lemonade as Love with Arthur Lee. Between Lee's release from prison in 2001 and his death from leukemia in 2006, the collaboration with Baby Lemonade continued, including live performances of Forever Changes in its entirety. I never got to see this final incarnation of Love myself, but I heard amazing things about it, and I will be forever jealous of folks who got to see it. 
I'm also just comforted to know that after so many years of commercial and artistic frustration, not to mention some serious bouts with drug and alcohol dependence and, of course, his time in prison, Arthur finally got to see how much his music had impacted people. In the intervening decades, Love, and particularly Forever Changes, had achieved something like a cult status, and Arthur seems to have been really genuinely touched by how much his music meant to people, many of whom hadn't even been born at the time when Forever Changes was originally released. In spite of the many questionable choices of Arthur Lee, there is something that just makes you want to root for him. And it makes me happy to know that he finally got this kind of vindication in the end.